Hello and welcome to the 32nd episode of Tailoring in Conversation. In this series, I'll be talking to tailors, business owners, cloth merchants, and other industry participants from all around the globe to gain a better insight into their worlds. My guest for today is Lee Marsh. Lee is a bespoke cutter, tailor, and designer based in London. He combines the best of these two worlds to create pieces that inspire by pushing the boundaries of traditional tailoring. In our conversation today, we're going to be talking about apprenticeships, online education, and more. So let's go. Let me start with something uh, you that you probably don't know about uh, about me. When I um, before I moved to London to learn tailoring, which is in 2014, it's like yesterday for you. Okay, <laughs> one of my friends, one of my friends asked me. Well, you know, you're going to London. Where exactly? What What are you going to do? You know, you, you, you know, why can't you do tailoring here? And so I yeah. said, well, you know, in London there is a street called Savile Road. All the tailors are there, and he said, well, show me. So I went on YouTube and I tried to, you know, find something on Savile Row, but yeah. there wasn't really much content about Savile Row back then on YouTube, and so I found one of your videos. And it's the one oh. where you're walking down the street and you're showing the garments you've made and you're talking oh, about, you know, you know, <laughs> keep, keeping your uniform on after close, uh, after uh, school was closed and stuff. Yeah, so I yeah. said, well, I'm going there. This is it. To be honest, it was actually one of the nicer videos because you were showing a lot of uh, different styles of garments and that's what I kind of expected when I arrived yeah. on Savile Row. But um, then I realized that, no, it's mainly just traditional coats, which is, yeah. a, you know, a, a different field, let's say. Um, yeah. But for those who don't know you and uh, haven't been introduced to your work, could you give us a little bit of a background of when you started, why you started, where you're from and, and how your journey kind of like went? Wow. Uh, yeah, thanks first for Riza Faramil, man. You know what I mean? It's it's uh it's such a great addition to the bespoke community, you know what I mean? So uh, oh, man. I love my you, pleasure, thank you. And you know what I mean, and you're you're a great co-maker as well, man. Jackets are on point, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Even though I look at sometimes like wow, you know, he's I, I need to like start putting a few extra stitches in. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so um yeah, I've done a I've done a lot of stuff um in the earlier days in terms of uh bespoke i come mm -hmm. from more of a creative background i would just say um my my grandparents were tailors um both of so, them yeah both of them from jamaica and mm -hmm. i think i started off with the attitude more or less that you know um i mean when you've got jamaican heritage right usually mm -hmm. Jamaicans, they they will make anything. They can make if you're a sewer, you always got one sewer in the family. So my grandma was that that person. She would make anything. I'll bring magazines to her and I'll say, mm. I want to wear this carnival. Can you make it for me? And I was just amazed by all of that. So mm. for me, she really built up the confidence in me because I learned a lot of sewing from them from found the foundation um, part of my learning um mm. journey, so to speak. I learned a lot of machining, a lot of like creative um mm. sewing. So for me, How I was old just, were you back then when you learned all of this? I was probably about 13. I was Thir learning. Oh, that's very young. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I really started to sew because that's what I wanted to do it myself because my grandma was always doing it for me. About mm. 16, I started to do my own stuff like shorts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah, I just got the buzz from there. And, and I really wanted to, because I was really creative. I, was, I used to do a lot of art and draw a lot. Mm-hmm. So I went mm-hmm. to art college and then from art college, I was like, I really like the sewing part and it went into like art and design and then fashion mm-hmm. design. And then from fashion design, I was like, okay, I want to do my own label. I want to do something really creative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I used to do like fashion shows back in the nineties. I was like, you know, one of the only guys that were trying to do menswear in a predominantly women's wear, you know, mm-hmm. environment. I mean, there's there's loads of guys that were doing it back then as well. Don't get me wrong, like the good tailors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, in terms of trying to incorporate more design aspect to the garments, mm-hmm. I was doing that from very early, you know. So mm-hmm. it took me, I must have done loads of fashion shows. I just got used to it after a while, just, just because I love doing it rather than mm-hmm. trying to sell it. Do you know what I mean? It was crazy. Mm-hmm. So when you say to- fashion shows, do you mean you would organize the entire show or you would look for places where they are doing fashion shows and you would partake in those shows? Both. Yeah. Right. So I would do whether it was like off schedule and the fashion mm-hmm. week. So I'd organize my own models and then, you know, do it on the, the scheduled dates, whether it was January or whatever. And I'll do, mm-hmm. you know, spring summer wear and then I'll do autumn winter wear. So I'll do a couple of collections a year. Um, and so and how these, many garments would you have for, for each collection? Probably about 10. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot. So you would have, mm-hmm. I'll have like three suits maybe mm-hmm. and just overcoats. Um, but it was, it was, it was a lot of outerwear stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, because I had a lot of machine background experience from my, right. my grandparents, I had a little bit of tailoring experience and I tried to mm-hmm. read books just like most, you know, students that find it difficult now when, you know, trying to find information on the internet. So there wasn't much back then, as you know, there was, there was no information. So it's purely books really. Yes. So I learned what I could. And I just knew that there was something missing from the collection that the quality wasn't quite there, you know? Mm-hmm. And even though I enjoyed the creative side, I was like, if I want to do this really seriously, I, I need to find how I can make these garments look better. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you uh, know that something was missing? Cause you know, I can crazy, imagine right? that if, if you have learned a good set of skills, by the time you're what, 19, 18, 20, um, yeah. how do you then think this isn't enough? There is something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah you're right. Because if you don't know, you don't know, right? If you don't exactly. know exactly, yeah. what looks good and what doesn't look good, then yeah. you don't know. Because I, I kind of had a feeling because of my background from my grand, grandparents, I learned all I could up to mm-hmm. a point where I knew they couldn't do a proper bespoke jacket because they didn't know about bespoke then, my, my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, okay. I started to do a, um, I applied for a job basically as a coat maker and I made this machined up jacket and I, I thought it was amazing. And when I got to the shop, I realized that this this is not amazing what I bring into them. This is, this is rubbish. They're doing proper bespoke because as soon as I saw in the window, it was just amazing. I was like, okay, I need to learn how to do this. And yeah. that's when I reflected and looked at my own clothes I was doing for my collections. I was like, yeah, I need to, I need mm-hmm. to learn this properly. Do you know what I mean? Because at the time yeah. I wasn't earning money. I was doing collections and it, I just was doing it for the fun of it, but I needed to get a job. So mm-hmm. at the time I was working part-time doing mechanics. I was completely different job doing mechanics mm-hmm. and stuff. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. And I spoke to my dad and he said to me, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to do mechanics where you're out in the cold all the time? Or do you want to be, you know, creating garments where you're in the warmth? And I was like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe stick to, you know, because um, back then my hands were like callous and when you're working mm-hmm. on cars, it's awesome. And I was like, you know what, this is getting getting a, getting a bit much, but I enjoyed doing it. But I was like, it's mm-hmm. make or break. I either choose one or the mm-hmm. other. And I thought, I want to pursue this creative avenue. So anyway. Yeah. How old the- were you back then when you decided to do Bespoke and, and pursue that? I was, so I went to London College Fashion for a bit. I must have been about 20, 20. Okay. When I got okay. my job um, yeah. at Tom and Taylor's in in uh, Eaton Windsor, there was mm-hmm. a tailoring shop there, and they did traditional suits, and they used to do um, old Etonian uh, tweed jackets for mm-hmm. the old Etonians, and they used to do morning coats for the Eaton schoolboys and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I got a job there. Initially, it was for an apprenticeship, but the the tailor didn't turn up that was supposed to team just for some reason i didn't know why so i ended up just doing waistcoats and i did that mm-hmm. for four years but there was a tailor that worked there at the time he was a trouser maker and he used to mm-hmm. work on Savaro. and he used to tell me about no this Savaro place lee you gotta go there and i was at the time i didn't hear about Savaro. i was like what is this place mm-hmm. and i was like okay i'm not learning what i want to learn which was the the jackets i was learning a lot at the time anyway mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. had this this confidence that I wanted to learn everything just like I suppose most students like fashion students as well will have that idea that you know because they know their fashion background and they know how mm-hmm. to design they almost lose the the side of the making and production side because it's not so important to them because they're more about mm-hmm. the creating so for me I was like okay I I just want to learn everything now if this is what I need to learn I need to just learn any, everything I remember the, the guy at the time in the shop he said oh, Lee, you can't learn everything in bespoke you have to pick one thing and then, you know, master that, then you can move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And it was like five years to learn jackets to six years. I was like, is it going to take me that long? Really? Are you, like, are you sure? And when I saw just the hint of what was involved in it, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this, I could tell that it was a lot more than I thought. And, it, you know, I initially. So um, there's me having in one head that I just want to implement some, you know, tailoring techniques to my fashion brand. Mm-hmm. And, realizing that it's not going to be a quick fix thing so mm-hmm. i thought okay i want to learn how to make jackets properly because that's mm-hmm. why i started off waiting to learn properly i ended up doing the waistcoats so when mm-hmm. i couldn't get taught by this company when i was in eaton windsor i thought okay i was told about this several place and i've got to go there then that's where i got to go to learn so i remember mm-hmm. i went there and um yeah i, I it, it blew my mind I, I met a guy called paul uh, griffin um he was the first person I ever met from several and which um, company was this he he used to work for anton and shepherds right yeah um back when anderson shepherds were on a row and mm-hmm. they had the workshops above top floor and at the time i think it was stephen itchcock was working still there mm-hmm. as well at the time. and yeah it was it's, it was it was a no, actually no he was working in the workshop they had a workshop around the corner sorry from there mm-hmm. um it used to be an old art gallery i've forgotten where where exactly where it was but anyway Mm-hmm. I went in to see him and yeah, he really had students. He he, he wasn't able to take on anyone. So I was like, oh, oh, I was so gutted. He said, I want you to just go and check out like just, just shops and bring some samples. So I went to Henry Paul. I just bought loads of samples, loads of samples. Mm. You know, I, I bought jackets. What kind of s- jackets? You bought? Yeah. At the time I, I, I couldn't make a decent jacket properly, but I couldn't make mm. one because mm-hmm. I, where I was working, there was a woman that was making like women's jackets and men's jackets um but she couldn't teach me there was another person that was supposed to come teach me but they didn't turn up so anyway I used she used to feel sorry for me and show me little bits and pieces and I used to chat with her all the time mm-hmm. and uh, 
it's from her, you know. So I took all these samples to to Henry Paul, and um, yeah, they looked at them and they must have seen the jackets and thinking, yeah, you're not quite, you're not there, mate. You know, <laughs> you got a long mm. way to. But my waistcoats at that point were really, really good. So I've right. been doing it for a few years since then. And they took me on as a waistcoat maker. Okay. And then, yeah, I worked, I worked there for three or four years, I think, working mm-hmm. for all the houses, doing waistcoats. And I still went to learn jackets and I still didn't right. get an opportunity. So I ended up going, had a drop off uh, at Eves and the Hawks and mm-hmm. they wanted a waistcoat maker and a trouser maker. Um, and I said, I could do both. I was one of them guys. Like, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that older, uh, probably Jamaican um, background in me, you know, from my, <laughs> my my parents. Like, you can do anything, you know what I mean? You anything, yes. Yeah. Just, just say yes and then figure it out. But at the time, yeah. I, I, I made a few trousers, but it was slow. You know what it's like if it's not your thing and you don't do all the time, mm-hmm. you know? It will, t- it will take you, you could do it if you've done one or two and you've done it properly, but to do it consistently all the time when somebody wants it like next week or whatever. To do it efficiently, it yeah. Take you, yeah. It will take you, you could get it done, but it will take you a long time. It's not efficient, mm-hmm. you know, and in the waistcoats, I was really efficient at that. So yeah. I must have done a few and then they realised that, yeah, okay, let him just do the waistcoats. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I did that. And then I was, I was so happy because I was just in a workshop full of other tailors that were coat makers. And for me, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to go for. I just wanted to get my foot in the door in there mm-hmm. and learn from everybody in there. And there was some right. great coaches in there. And that was, for me, I, instead of trying to wait for that apprenticeship still, I thought, you know what? Let me mm-hmm. just surround myself around other tailors and mm-hmm. just learn bits and pieces. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, this is a very interesting point you, 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 you bring up. So I would say... I don't know how many people would be in in the same position as as you have been because you knew how to sew from a very early age. What you said, thirteen. That's that's thirteen. I, I, I wasn't. I, I think at thirteen I discovered Eminem, something like that. You know, <laughs> you know. So that that was that was the highlight of of of, of what I was doing in my <laughs> teenagers. But you you already knew how to sew. You you were already participating in fashion shows, so that's not nothing. It's 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 fairly you know, you did yeah. say like oh I did a few fashion shows, but doing fashion shows is quite intense. Even if all your garments are machine made, it's still like ten garments. Yeah. So you had the experience of that. You also had learned how to make waistcoats, and that's again another thing. But at the same time, you were stuck with a dilemma: I need to make this coat i need to learn how to properly make a coat and so you didn't just enter savile row by being purely an apprentice who doesn't know anything and just learns the system or whatsoever you were kind of like semi-professional semi-apprentice so did you see yourself as an apprentice or did you see yourself as a professional who wanted to expand yeah i mean i had to just forget about everything that i learned and -hmm. just try to study this thing called bespoke jacket making. So right. it didn't matter what I knew beforehand. And this is what a lot of students kind of get caught up in sometimes. You know, they might do a big degree and uh, mm-hmm. a, a MBA, MA or whatever in fashion design and decide mm-hmm. that oh, I'll go and learn a few, um, you know, techniques in bespoke mm-hmm. and go to several row and realize that it's not that easy to get an apprenticeship or easy to get in. And mm-hmm. if they've got that attitude, like, oh, I, I kind of know it all already, then people don't really want to teach you because it's like, you've got to start from fresh. And mm-hmm. I kind of, I'm, I, I was kind of, not say I knew that when I went there, because I didn't. I just thought, mm-hmm. 
I want to learn this thing. So there's yeah. half time people didn't even know what I did um, mm. you know, outside of that because I was so, because I didn't want, I didn't have the opportunity for someone to teach me side by side. So mm. I was like, last thing I want to do is start talking about my designing stuff and other things mm. that I'm doing. Because if I want to get someone to teach me, I have mm-hmm. to show people that I'm focused on really wanting to learn this. Yes, one thing. yeah. And there would be people that would show me stuff because they knew I really wanted to learn and I was dedicated. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. When you're in a workshop and you're around other tailors, people will show you things if they mm-hmm. see that you really want to learn it. But if they see that you're kind of sidetracked and you're trying to do other little bits and pieces, they're not really going to give you the time, especially if you're you know, someone that... Um, doesn't know what they want to do. And we don't always know what we want to do when we get into the mm. industry. It's not but difficult because it's not one of those industries that you can just come in and and if you're lucky enough to do work experience, that's fine. And you can mm-hmm. like stay with one person one minute and stay with another person. But then as a tailor, you're seeing that in a workshop that that guy doesn't really know what he's doing. Why am I going to spend my time, yeah. invest my time to show him? So it's, mm-hmm. it's a very tricky thing because as someone that wants to learn as well, hasn't made up their mind yet, Mm-hmm. you kind of do want you, you do want to soak up different bits of knowledge to see yeah. where you want to go in your direction so yeah, for me yeah. it helped that I knew exactly what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um which was just learn that one thing first and while I was learning that when I left like after you know the day was gone by six o'clock seven o'clock or whatever I'll go home and then I'll think about how I can incorporate those techniques that I learned into my designs do you know what yeah. I mean Yes. No one knew that because I was just going there focused because I, I needed to make sure that people saw that I, I was serious about learning, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, for me. It's a yeah. funny thing you say that because you what you did was actually pretty smart. You know, I, I would say kind of almost diplomatic in a good sense because you probably have experienced this. Someone walks into a tailoring shop loud as hell and they're like hey i want to set up my own brand and i'm here to just do like two days of work experience and that's <laughs> i was like uh, okay that's the last time yeah. we saw you you know that's it. Uh, yeah. why do you think and and, and this is uh, i didn't just say that so that next time they're gonna say oh i really want to become a tailor and fool the tailor or kind of thing but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know why do you think that it's so important for anyone who wants to teach someone else that the student that they're going to teach has, I, I wouldn't say starts from zero, but at least, and this sounds very bad, but at least can pretend as if they are starting from zero. So even if you know a few things, you know what I mean? So someone walks up to you and like, hey, Lee, can you show me how to make a jacket? Oh, yeah, by the way, I already know how to canvas. You're going to be <laughs> like, um, sorry, I'm going to have to teach you how to canvas. But why do you think that is? Why do you think that teachers never say, hey, what is it that you already know? Show me what you can. Maybe I'll approve of it. And then we don't need to cover that. Why is it always we have to start from zero? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, there's there's a a few different things going on there. I think um, it's a good point now. It's a good point. I think, firstly, um, I, I'm just talking from personal experience. Mm-hmm. If I have someone coming to me that already knows, and this has happened already, that already knows a lot of things, yeah, mm-hmm. and they say, oh, they're learning this bit from that person, they've learned that from there, and they've learned mm-hmm. this from there. Um, straight away, sometimes they don't tell me that straight away, but sometimes mm-hmm. I can tell if I've given them something to do and they, they haven't done it the way I've showed them, and yeah. I say, oh, how could you do it that way? Oh, because this is the way I've been used to doing it. I've done it by this person that right. showed me the 
yeah, that is very annoying because <laughs> for one, you're like, why have I wasted my time showing you something where obviously you don't feel it's right for you and you're doing something else? Fair yeah. enough if you've tried it, mm-hmm. but let me know, say, oh, this is finding it difficult. And then I'll say to you, okay, I'll show you another way that might mm-hmm. be easy for you. But mm-hmm. I think the point is when you're, it's it's um it's a very tricky thing when you're you've got an apprentice because they need to have a, a blank canvas coming in so that you can they can absorb the knowledge that you're teaching them even if mm-hmm. they already know different bits and pieces mm-hmm. I think it's better to just focus on one particular way first and mm-hmm. then you can incorporate all your other ways because everybody has a we know this already everyone yes. has a different we know that already right yeah, yeah but yeah. the point is to learn one way and mm-hmm. then as you're progressing and you're learning how to make the next jacket better and the next jacket better, you'll find your own rhythm and your own method of incorporating other bits and pieces that you found easier before mm-hmm. to make that garment. And, yeah. you know, whether it's a year down the line, your garment will probably look a lot better. I'll give you an example. I've got uh, uh, my older apprentice. She, I taught her exactly mm-hmm. the way and she was really good because she could sew before mm-hmm. and she did everything I showed her and she done it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, just probably like what, f- six years later, I know mm-hmm. she does things a lot different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I look at the garment, I can still tell mm-hmm. it's it's the same as mine in a way. Your influences, but, you can see. Yeah. I can still, yeah, I can still see the influence. But mm-hmm. to reach that point, she's done other techniques that are easier for her to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So it's like everyone has that different thing that works for them. For example, like, I mean, when I used to work in Henry Paul, right, and there used to be this guy called Stavros. He's still about now, I think. I think he's working in Huntsman's now. Pocket mm. machinist, amazing pocket machinist. So I, I was working in front of him. He used to work at the back. All you would hear is zoom, 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 <laughs> flying all over the place, pockets put down. And you, he would do the pockets in like 20 minutes. He was just amazing. <laughs> and I thought, I've got to learn how this guy does this, right? Yeah, so yeah. Like work, and I used to look back and looking at, just chatting with him and just clocking everything that he's doing. I used to have these nails as well. We used to like put creases in the silicia and, <laughs> and, the, and he didn't even get up off the machine. I was like, how is this guy doing it? So I kind of just kept watching and I kind of figured out how he do it. Yeah. So now I was thinking, okay, I want to do the way that he's done it. Mm-hmm. But I knew that it's going to take me a long while to do it. The first one I did mm-hmm. was just, over the place and it, mm-hmm. it, it took me probably three years to get it right to a stage where i don't have to get off the machine i can just make some impress pockets by just sitting down as long as it's all three years out. you said yeah it took me about three that's, years to get well, good that's a lot of practice that's it a was a lot of practice. practice you know you're a bruce lee fan right yeah 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 S- same same here so so i think it's, oh, the, it's yeah i think it's the greatest moment to just drop a bruce lee quote so oh, one of his one of his quotes that i lo- love is i'm i'm not afraid of the person who knows who's practiced a thousand kicks but i'm afraid of the person who has practiced one kick a thousand times so yeah, in those yeah. three exa- what you're saying is exactly that 100 percent, man i like that bruce yeah, lee. Yeah. That's, that's true practice yeah. that one what yeah I, I those pockets i practiced it religiously just yeah after pocket after pocket and i was like okay i'm getting there now as soon as i started to get okay-ish i was like okay now i can do some work you know what i mean yeah, some, yeah. <laughs> someone's job now and yeah. then it, and that's when because it, it's different when you're actually doing it on a proper job because then mm-hmm. it's the nerves and the pressure so it took yes. me an, another year to get really comfortable with that as well mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? mm-hmm. yeah and um so my, my my point was me now when i i teach people if i'm showing someone some impress pockets mm-hmm. 
I will show them that way because that's the way I've mastered. But I know it will take them a long while to get to that point. But I will always give them an option. I'll say, I can show you this way that I've learned, mm-hmm. but it takes a while to get there. Or I can show you the hand way where you can, you know, mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. in the jets and do it by hand. So mm-hmm. usually it's better to show them by hand and do it that way. And then mm-hmm. I'll say, this is the way I do it now. But yeah. the point is, trying to, sh- not everyone's going to get what you're showing them straight away because everyone's mm-hmm. has mastered that at a, a different time and a different pace so it's yeah it's difficult to say to someone okay if you can't do what i've just shown you then um i don't want to see anyone else else's way that you do it or i don't want to know you just got to try and do that not everyone's going to get that do you know what mm-hmm. i mean so you have, mm-hmm. i like to work with um different styles um, mm-hmm. of making and depending on the, the student mm-hmm. so i have one style that i do all the time consistently that i'll teach but if you mm-hmm. find that someone's not really grasping that you have to adapt you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah, there might be different things that I will show them that is still not get it. Yeah. And then you have in their mind, oh, I can I do it this way. This is how I feel comfortable. Just do it that way then. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just do it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is, it's a very interesting thing because uh, I noticed that sometimes uh, when I was working on Salvaro, we would have work experience people. And sometimes, you know, I had to show them how to do, I don't know, a pad stitch or how to sew on buttons. And I noticed a few times that when if I would show them something, they would say something that would blow my mind. And that was, that doesn't work for me. And, and I thought, at, back then, I thought, who, on, who do you think you are being, <laughs> doing here work experience? And I'm showing you something, you know, leaving my own work. And then you're telling me that's not how it works for you. And then, so then I thought about it more and I thought, well, and this is just, I'm thinking out loud. I thought maybe one of the, so I I thought of two possibilities. Either they have something so specific in their minds in terms of what it is that they want to make that they say, well, that doesn't work for me because I can see that won't give the results that I'm looking for. Or they don't see the craft uh, yet as a means of, producing or being productive to earn a living but something yeah. more to find themselves in you know i i mean i yeah. don't know if you if you if you had this i'm sure you've had this so in the beginning i was way more romantic about certain things than i am now and you know if i was making a pocket i it had to be in a way you know i had to fiddle around with it in a very specific you way mean. you know what i mean and now after after a while i look at it and i'm like why am I doing all this fiddling while I can just do this and it's still exactly the same effect, you know? Yeah, I know do exactly you, what you mean. So, yeah. so do you think that we, we outgrow the romance that we begin with and start to see it more from a technical and, and efficiency perspective? Uh, and that's why we become a bit more um, sensitive to how it should be done because it's all part of a system now. Whereas yeah. when you're young... It's not part of a system yet. It's just the romance of doing it for the sake of doing it. How do you yeah. look at that? How do you see yeah. that? Well, that's deep. That's deep question, man. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. It's it's almost like, you know, you, you've been taught away from mm. your teacher, from their generation, and their generation has been taught away. It's been passed down, passed down. Yeah. And, you know, 
you kind of uh, fall in love with the craftsmanship of it all in the beginning mm-hmm. and you want to mm-hmm. learn these things and everything's amazing like how they do it this way and, and it yeah. you know some things it doesn't need to be like that. it can be so simple but it's yeah. just the way that uh, I would say people make it make it look like it's more difficult than it is and sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's it could be the teacher that mm-hmm. just exaggerates a bit too much mm-hmm. just yes that's for sure yeah. it a bit too much when it yeah. doesn't need to be that way you know what i mean i mean mm-hmm. my teacher for example um the way he used to sew he used to be beautiful in a way i used to see him stitch and he was more about handling the garment and, and the way it feels in your hand and and making mm-hmm. sure you move the fullness in the right way and and it, it's it's it was very good to, it was very good to look at because mm-hmm. it was just like wow i want to do that like that i want to be able to create the garment the way he's done it with his hands yeah uh, and then i look at someone else that put loads of little stitches in and and the way they'll do it it's, it was very um discipline in terms of they have to do the stitch this mm-hmm. far away from the edge they have mm-hmm. to roll it that much and they have to do certain amount and it has to be at this angle when you're doing it exactly yeah, yeah. and it was too technical so mm-hmm. There's so many different ways that different tailors sew, mm-hmm. but overall it is the craftsmanship that people are trying to, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it's it's almost like when I sew, I try to keep it simple, right? Mm-hmm. I don't try to um, make it more than it needs to be. I like mm-hmm. to keep things very, very simple. Mm-hmm. And that's partly why I, I probably don't use loads of stitches Mm-hmm. And I like to use my hands a lot more, but mm-hmm. yeah, it may look like I'm romanticizing the garment a lot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's just because it's just the way I handle it and right. the way I, yeah. I, I I make things fit and the way, just like for example, the pockets I was t- telling you about, that's all mm-hmm. about using your hands. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. about how you use your hands, how you feel back the jets mm-hmm. and you feel it right on the edge before you stitch yeah. at the back of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. You can only do it with your hands, you know what I mean? So yeah. it may look like I'm fiddling and romanticizing the cloth and all that, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just feeling it through and I'm just saving yeah. myself with the machine and mm. basing the text. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to sit down and do these beautiful like prick stitches in between the jets mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. make it look and like, yeah, this this is how you can't see it, can you? You can't see it. And yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need to be done like that. It doesn't need to be done. Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to yeah. Uh, water anything i'm not trying to water down anything but i believe that if something needs to be done by hand you should do it by hand and a lot mm-hmm. of things if you're getting a bespoke garment and you're um giving it to a customer and he's paying a bespoke price you should put yeah. a lot of hand in there and it should mm-hmm. be bespoke you know but if there's stitches that are not necessarily needed to be done just for the sake mm-hmm. of doing it by hand then then why why do that you know i mean yeah, for yeah. example do uh jackets um, I do some sleeves by hand when I, when I mm-hmm. do it um, for students. That's because they might have a domestic machine and it's going to be too much to go through the machine. So I yes, say, just yeah. hand. it's just easier, you know, yeah, but yeah. Uh, industrial machine, just do it on an industrial machine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's <laughs> so. interesting because this is where I believe um, the, the perspective that the tailors have about their own work and how they communicate it, marketing in general within tailoring, and the perception of the client kind of like clash because you know very well that when you're sitting on the machine and you're making those jettings without leaving the machine, 
the machine is stitching it for you, but you are still the operator of the entire thing. So if yeah. you don't feel where the jetting is and you don't exactly. lay everything correctly on the machine, it's still not going to be a nice pocket. Now, exactly. you, could, no. you could say, perhaps, you are still doing it by hand. It just happens to be a machine that secures the stitches. Yeah. right exactly, exactly so so you've probably seen this many times you, you, we take a few canvases you pad one of them by hand big stitch you pad the other one by hand small stitch you pad the other one the third one with a machine stitch and long stitch on a machine and when you look at it when you hold it up when you just feel it the only difference that you really feel is the firmness of the canvas in the end result Exactly. You could still have the same shape, right? Because you put the darts yeah. in, the darts bring all, out all the shapes. So all exactly. three are really done by hand. It just is the emphasis should be more on operated by hand yes. rather than because you don't, you, I mean, you don't, you don't put your finger into the canvas and then pull a thread through the, the big hole that your finger made. It's still a needle, yeah, yeah, is, a, yeah, yeah. You know, a needle yeah. is a tool. And so the thread is a tool and the machine is a tool. So yeah. Um, it's probably a, a weird misconception that people have. Lee, I, I, I'd like to talk about the masterclass that you have, because I know people will be watching this interview and I'm sure there are many people who would like to get in touch now. Um, but I also want to connect it to a few other, uh, topics. Sure, you have sure. done a traditional, you have seen a traditional workshop. You've been there, you've done it. Now you have also created a course online through you know cameras just as we are talking where you are where you actually can see students from all around the world and i guess the only barrier that you may have is either a language barrier with them or a slow internet connection but they can still download your videos that you have produced that they kind of like buy into what do you think is and and there are other tailors who do tailoring courses virtual yeah. and stuff like okay what do you think are the main big differences between a virtual tailoring course and a workshop experience where you have to go there, knock on that door, just squeeze yourself into that workshop and yeah. do everything by chocolates? I don't know. Say nice words. Yeah. Stay yeah, later yeah. than everyone else. What do you <laughs> think are some of the differences between these two uh, different yeah. worlds, really, you know? They are, they are, they are. Um, I think firstly, you know, you, you can't be one-on-one -on -one with somebody if you're mm -hmm. in a workshop with them and someone's side by side with you and you're teaching them, you mm -hmm. know. Um, there there are pros and there are cons with both. And it, it, it still even depends on who's teaching you as well. So mm -hmm. it depends on who's teaching you and also depends on um, how good the course is as well that you're learning online, you know. Right. It's all about information. You know, and everybody has a different learning capability as well. So, you know, someone that might be um, watching more intense um, tutorial videos, uh, mm -hmm. most people that can so they're more visual anyway. So as, they, as long as they can see the detail and see what you're talking about and you explain it properly and you would understand this because mm -hmm. you would uh, explain in depth so that mm -hmm. if someone doesn't know how to sew, they could probably understand mm -hmm. bits of do you know what I mean? But yes. essentially, it's about the information and the content, right? So mm -hmm. the same as if I'm teaching someone that's next to me, mm -hmm. I'm explaining and I'm showing them, and mm -hmm. then I'm letting them get on with it. You know, depending on if that that student is capable enough to be on his own to do that task. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, 
checking in. Um, and if he just doesn't know how to do it, then obviously they'll have to take over the garment. That's the luxury yes. of being someone where you can actually do it for them, you know, yeah. and it's a thin line because you can get into a habit of just doing the work for them and not actually yes. doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. You know, when you're online, you can't reach through the screen. You're like, no, you've got to do like that. This is my <laughs> one. Yeah. This is how I've done mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that point on yours that, you know, this, this part of mine, you need to make sure it looks like this. And this is how I've done it again, if I need to explain it again. And then mm-hmm. I'll watch them do it. So there, there are ways you can get around not actually being next to somebody and taking mm-hmm. over the work and doing it for them. But mm-hmm. having that comfort of having someone next to you, whereas mm-hmm. if you had any questions at any time, you can just say, oh, um, how'd you do this bit again? And they could come over and just, just you know, show you or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. As yeah. opposed to when you're online, because I have the tutorial videos, they'll watch those. Yeah. yeah. And then if there are any questions, they can contact me. Usually they will mm-hmm. show me, send me pictures of where they're stuck or whatever. And I'll be yeah. like, okay, on our next um, Zoom um, private mm-hmm. lesson, we'll go through that piece again. And mm-hmm. I'll check their work first. And then I'll go through it on my end and show them how to do it properly. And then I'll watch them do it. And, you know, so there are ways you can get around those mm-hmm. tricky parts where you can't, actually just take the garment from them you know so um again that is down to uh the the student being a bit more proactive as well Mm -hmm. i'm not saying realizing where they've gone wrong because when you learn you don't know where you're going wrong but yes yeah let me check each stage so i can Mm -hmm. make sure they're okay before they move on to the next kind of module you know um Mm -hmm. as you know when you're and this is one thing that's it does get annoying sometimes when you're teaching someone that's next to you, they're always asking questions every minute and you're trying to get on with your work and yeah. being, you know, self-employed, you're like, I'm not actually earning no money at the moment. But yeah. I know that as teachers, when you're teaching someone as an yeah. apprentice, it's about a couple of years before they can actually do the base properly, pocket base, where they can actually help their mm-hmm. master. Um, mm-hmm. not saying earn money, but help him not lose money by mm-hmm. doing his own works because you're actually helping him, you know? Yes. So yeah. And I think with the courses, because you get people that obviously paying for the course, mm-hmm. they're there because they want to learn, mm-hmm. yeah, and they want mm-hmm. to get all the information. So it's my job to teach them everything I know. I'm not holding yes. back anything. So they yeah. can get all the information before they want to commit to, if they want to go to do an apprenticeship possibly, and they're mm-hmm. actually able to help mm-hmm. somebody a bit more because they know a bit more knowledge. You know what I mean? Yes, uh, yes. Out, without without saying oh I know all this and I've done this course and you know mm-hmm. and and not impose that on their teacher because they still have to go within frame line yeah I I know the boundaries and I know what's what you know how to make a jacket mm-hmm. um but obviously I need to keep practicing and practicing so whatever mm-hmm. they get from their their teacher they can mm-hmm. kind of solve it easier because it, it's kind of familiar mm-hmm. even if they don't get a different style but they're actually able to learn quicker because they've mm-hmm. kind of done done it before do you know what i mean yes so. yes yes i believe what you say uh, actually as as you're saying it it makes me think of a few few things that are actually very positive so uh, i remember when i started doing work experience and then my apprenticeship so one of the things that i found a, a, a little bit difficult was well for, in my case i also moved from another country to london so i had to figure out as, as quickly as I could, what the, what the British culture in general was, you know, because I, I used to live in the Netherlands. So um, in the Netherlands, I'm used to people being a certain way. In yeah. London, I didn't know if someone said something or did something, whether that was their personal quirk 
whether that was the workshop culture or whether that was the general society culture. So I had to yeah. kind of like figure that out. And it was very tough to do that because it was just pure confusion for me all the Actually, time. Yeah, yeah. That's, and so on top of that, I also had to kind of like learn, kind of like crawl my way through people and, and just see what can I ask this person? How often can I ask this person a question? If, you know, if they say, get lost, can I come back another time, you know? Uh, and, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. that's that's all layers of more or less, I guess it does sharpen you in, at the end once you get through it. But in the yeah. beginning, it does create a lot of cloudiness for you to just do your work, you know? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I remember I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to learn how to canvas. And I learned how to make five different styles of teas, how to wait for three different people, how to talk. <laughs> I learned pretty much everything except for canvassing, you know? And I thought, damn, man, I'm here to learn tailoring. Why am I yeah, not yeah, learning yeah. this? So uh, what you are saying and, and what you're describing in regards to these virtual uh, courses is that actually that eliminates all of that noise and it allows you to focus purely on the techniques, the craft, ask you your questions, get the time you need from your teacher. And yeah. then if you want to really be a professional, you can move on to a workshop where you can then maybe uh, have a bit more uh, space in your mind to figure out the workshop culture and stuff like that. So would it be uh, fair to say that virtual courses act somewhat as a pre-apprenticeship rather than an actual apprenticeship? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Um, and again, you know, it, it all depends on the person as well and what they want to achieve, you know, because mm. I get some students that they don't want to do an apprenticeship. They're already right. been, they've already got their own um, brand, whether it, it'll just be sewing dresses and stuff like that, but they want to get into more menswear stuff, you know, and, mm -hmm. and make a jacket or mm -hmm. a woman's jacket. And I will teach them that. And then afterwards, mm -hmm. I'll, like, you know, obviously if you want to keep doing this and you want to um, build a brand from doing the menswear, mm -hmm. you're going to have to keep practicing. You know, I've just mm -hmm. given you all the tools to understand whether you yeah. want to still go into it and develop that. But if they want to do an apprenticeship, it, it, it will be still beneficial for them because they already have, like I said, a set of skills that they'll have an understanding and mm -hmm. they will think, okay, now when I was involved in this, yeah, I still want to do it. And then they'll know that they'll be with a um, an um, a teacher for like a couple of years, if that, you know, because they've got previous knowledge mm -hmm. before, so it'll be easy for them yeah, to pick yeah. up that. This patch stitching, yeah, I remember this because I didn't, of course, or or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they won't want to to try to find an apprenticeship first and go down that route. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. I think that's the first route you should try do anyway. But mm -hmm. it's because it's so hard when you do eventually get it you have to know and be sure this is what you want to do because you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to do an apprenticeship for like two or three years no, and realize no. it's not for you. And so many people get yeah. disheartened because they're like, I'm still doing pocket base after a year and a half. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I want to move on. And they start complaining about, you know, <clears throat> the wages aren't great and, and whatnot, but mm -hmm. you want someone that's hungry from the start and knows, okay, I know what I'm in for. This is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And, I want to go for it. I've got a little bit of a, a head start. So now mm -hmm. I just want to go full steam ahead and get this done, uh, not as quickly as possible, but I want to give myself a time frame, trusting my mm -hmm. teacher, these are my skills, just showing my worth, come in on the weekends, make stuff for myself, just yeah. really go 
you know, rather than just trying to get in, get your foot in the door and you're still figuring out if it's what you want or not. And you, you don't have no idea what to mm-hmm. expect. And then, like mm-hmm. I say, you get the apprenticeship finally and then yeah. you realize it's not what you want. And it, it it's, it's not only a waste of time for the, the student, mm-hmm. but also the teacher, because then you kind of think secondly about taking someone else on again, you know, because you're like, yeah. well, I don't even know if you're going to be serious or not, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I guess that's a very difficult part for for people in our industry is how do I know whether you you could be my apprentice, you know? And it's weird because there, I I don't know if, I'm sure you've felt this as well. There is kind of like an emotional attachment to it as well. You know, when you, when you enter into, when you enter into an apprenticeship with someone yeah. Um, you kind of feel like an emotional connection as well. And, you know, you, you, you don't <laughs> get... Because re- it's just yeah, you and that person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Long hours in the day, yeah. Yeah, it's you very, don't get your heart broken maybe if, if, if they leave, you know, after uh, three months or so. But you do feel it. You're like, damn, man, why, yeah. did, you know, yeah. why, did, why did he or she not just get on with it? They had so yeah. much talent. <laughs> Trust me, I, I exactly what you say. My, my old teacher, Dennis Cooper, mm. um, I didn't have an official apprenticeship with him because for that reason, the last apprentice that he had decided he wanted to go and do paint and decorate. And I think he was teaching him for like three years. And right. he was still going on about it for like six months in to meet me train. Oh, train. Yeah. <laughs> he was still disappointed about the last guy. And I was like, I felt sorry for him. I was like, you know what? Mm. Now I think about it. Because at the time I just wanted to learn. I was like, forget that guy. I'm here. <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do realise now that, you know, it, it it is disheartening when you get someone that you put all that energy into and decide they don't want to do it no more. So mm. you know, I think only courses, any bespoke course or any course that you're doing, it can only just give you an insight. I'll give you an example, right? Um, when I was doing my design and stuff like that, and I started to do the tailoring, and when I had this idea, like, yeah, I could learn the tailoring, and, you know, I could do it in, like, a couple of years. And when I realised that, no, I've got to put some graft in for a good few years, even when I um, qualified after about, I think, two and a half years, something like that. Not qualified, because it wasn't an official thing, but I said to mm-hmm. it, I'm ready. I can take this jacket now to a company and try to get work. When yeah. I was on that level, I knew that it took me another five years to build up a reputation of number one, liability. That's the number one, you know, mm-hmm. two qualities should, it should be the same with number one anyway. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to get the job the qualities there anyway, but you need to be reliable. So I worked on those things being reliable and it's, it's difficult when, um, not, not to blow my own trumpet, but when you're good, when you're doing and you get a reputation, you're good at making jackets mm-hmm. to keep that up because you get busy. People want to give you more work and yes. then you still need that re- reliability. You still mm-hmm. need to have um, that part of you that says um, no to a job when you know you can't do it because mm-hmm. you know if you say yes to it and yeah. you don't do it on time or you rush it and you, you know, mm-hmm. do, do different things um, and, and the job doesn't come out right, you, you get a bad reputation. So you, mm-hmm. it's, keeping that balance of consistency so um as i was i was i was rambling on but what i was going to mention was like when i started to um, realize that i needed to come back to the creativity after being doing I, was, I think it was like for 10 years then i was doing like just jackets pinstripes checks it was driving me nuts i was like mm-hmm. anything creative anymore and then i decided i need to do a show i did a, a fashion show and it was it was mad i think the video that you watched those were the pieces that were from right that. Right. When I look at it now, I'm like, geez, what was I thinking? It was, it was, I wouldn't wear, I wouldn't wear any of them, right. <laughs> I, but I was so 
filled with creative things to do and mm-hmm. are so stuck on the classic side for so long that mm-hmm. I just put everything out there on what on the garments and I just did a collection and yeah it was a bit crazy but I needed to do that but then I decided that okay I I want to go to um, college and learn mm-hmm. I wanted to do a course yeah mm-hmm. and how to do designing how right. to develop, develop a collection all right mm-hmm. so I would say to anyone out there anything that you want to do in terms of if it's you know, if you want to be a designer or whether you want to be a trouser maker or you want to be a waist, whatever you want to, that thing that you want to do, you need to go and learn from that person. Or if there, you can't, then try to do a course in it so you can get a heads up in it. So I decided I wanted to do designing. So I thought, mm-hmm. I don't want to go and do the MA and BA and, and all those courses that, you know, four or five years or whatever. I just wanted to learn just mm-hmm. a short course. And I thought I want to go to the best place just to learn a short course. Mm-hmm. And this is where I say doing courses are great because it gives you an insight. Good mm-hmm. courses give you insight. And mm-hmm. I've done this short course and I thought, I'm going to go to St. Martin's. So St. Martin's basically be the best place. So I went to St. Martin's. I must have done, uh, I think it was an eight-week course, a summer course, something like that. Mm-hmm. Four-week summer course, in-depth summer course. And I learned so much about mm-hmm. designing. I thought I was a designer before I did anything. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew it all. I went and done that short course mm-hmm. and it's such an insight into the industry about how to design from, you know, I had to sit around on the table with a group of us and we had mm-hmm. to think of a design, not sorry, uh, think of a topic. And from yeah. that topic, to go to the library, they had a nice library there, went there, was in there for a few hours researching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came back and we had to do designs based off our research and, mm-hmm. And then from that, we had to develop like different um, topics and shapes from that research and pick ones that we liked. And we had to create a mood board. And then we had to do the costing sheets for the, the that was near towards it. But there was so much involved in it. It was mm-hmm. such a short course that afterwards I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was everything that was involved in, yeah. in design. This was just a short course. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so if I really want to be a designer, mm-hmm. I would either go back to college and do a real um, course, you know, do the MA and BA and all that kind of stuff. I don't even mm-hmm. know if they're pronounced that way. I just, you know, you know what I'm talking about where yes, it's the yeah. degrees, masters and all that. Yeah. And so for those guys, a short course would be like, that's that's nothing. You don't even know how to mm-hmm. design, you know. Yeah. But for me, I thought, if I want to be a designer, that's what I'll have to go to and do the mm-hmm. whole degree thing. But I, I didn't. I wanted to be a creative tailor. And mm-hmm. I thought, Doing that short course is enough for me because it enabled me to implement the stuff that I needed to adapt to what I was mm-hmm. doing at the time, which was smart casual wear, bespoke mm-hmm. wear. I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to create garments mm-hmm. that just to show the possibilities of bespoke. That's all I wanted mm-hmm. to do. And for me mm-hmm. to learn how to design to a short course that was adaptable for what I wanted to do. So I didn't need to go and do the, the whole degree mm-hmm. thing. So I'd always say to any, any student, courses are great. Courses are mm-hmm. great when you you know um you you just got to kind of understand what it is that you want to do try Mm -hmm. to work out what you want to do whether it's like okay I think I want to be you know a a designer then Mm -hmm. you will have to go back to uni do that and then do a placement in an actual designer I'll give you an example I had a student last week from St Martins and he just got a a placement at Givenchy Givenchy is it Givenchy Givenchy yeah Givenchy yeah yeah in Paris and uh, he's so excited. I was like, yeah, go for it, mate. He, and he's so buzzy. That's where you need to be. Yeah. That's where you need to be if you want to be a designer. You need to be in the environment. So same mm-hmm. like if you want to be a coat maker, mm-hmm. yeah? 
it's great if you can go and get an apprenticeship as a coat maker mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do. But if you mm-hmm. can't get and do a course in it, get more yeah. insight into it. And if you really want to still develop, you can keep developing that, keep practicing yes. and get into a workshop possibly. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But if you just want to do um, tailing as uh, um, uh, an extension to your collection or, or whatever, and you just mm-hmm. want to adapt to that, you don't need to go to several like, like what I did. Yes. And get being bespoke for 10 years doing pinstripes yeah. and, and before you lose all your creativity and you're no use to anyone in, in the in the in the industry do you know what I mean you, yeah. you might stay, stay with the tailoring so yeah. it, I'm kind of in between I was fighting myself a lot for a lot lot of years mm-hmm. because I was mm-hmm. like I'm not a, a designer mm-hmm. and I know I'm not I know I'm a, I'm a well I'm a tailor <laughs> but yeah. I know yeah I'm not, I'm not saying normal tailor. I like to do creative pieces, you know. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's understanding like where you want to go and and mm-hmm. trying to place yourself in those environments to expand yeah. on that. Because I great guess that it it makes yeah. it a, a lot easier for people to find themselves first before throwing themselves out in the real battlefield. Let's say. Exactly. Um, and perhaps they can reach the conclusion whether this is for them or not a lot faster without sacrificing too much. You can sacrifice exactly. a little bit of money, uh, you can sacrifice a little bit of time, but if it yeah. doesn't work out, you you didn't move to a different country. You didn't, uh, that- you know, uh, lose or make enemies or lose your friends or whatsoever. Um, exactly. To, to, to bring it a little bit back on, on why you originally started and how you kind of like try to strategize your way through your career by learning the tailoring and then applying that on your designs. Why, why sewing, Lee? Why tailoring? You, you, why, why did you feel that you needed to design things or make things? You could have, I mean, you said you're working as a mechanic partially, I and mean, that's also working with your hand. And you can take that as a craft, really, you know. You could have made handmade cars, let's say, and worked for Rolls Royce. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. It was quick to just make tires, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, but, but, but yeah. if, you, if you wanted being the person that... If I wanted that, to pursue that, yeah, yes, I would have gone yes. down that road because I've got plenty of mechanics in my family. I would have gone to a, a garage, worked with my uncle for years and learned more yeah. about it. And stuff like that yeah exactly so, so uh, why yeah. why um I, I i really do love create creating stuff you know i'm a, I'm a creative person and I, I think um i get in the zone when i'm creating that's my happy place you know mm-hmm. I think it's my therapy as well to be honest mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um younger in my years in my 20s I, I went for a lot of stress mm-hmm. and i was depressed a lot and i found that it was a good escapism creating things because i just mm-hmm. get in the zone and everybody's got that right I'm sure you yeah. have it as yes, you get yes. something and then you just forget what the time is. You forget everything. And it's mm-hmm. just, you're at peace with that, what you're doing at that time. That's your, that's your place of yeah. rating and just feeling just comfortable and you just relax. And that's what, you know, designing does for me. I think mm-hmm. even like when I'm thinking, I try to think of different garments to make in terms of how can I create, like, I think the last jacket I did was, like a waterproof um, inner layer for a bomber jacket. So mm-hmm. how can I use like textile fabrics? And it was this guy that gave me the idea, actually. I get ideas from a lot of different people. Um, Andrew, um, his name is, and he gave me, Andrew Chen, he gave me this idea. We're using Gore-Tex. 
underneath um, tailoring fabric to make it waterproof. I was mm. like, that's amazing on a bomber jacket, having a waterproof mm. bomber jacket. And you could, they can still slip their own cloth. So stuff like that, I'm like, it excites me. And I want to just try it out. And then there was another mm. time when I went to do a heated bomber jacket. And it was like a heated vest. And I thought, mm. how can I integrate that into a bomber jacket? And then you press a button inside just mm. to make, it, make you feel. So I know it's, it's novelty things. You know, mm. I like to do show pieces. I just like to create. I like to inspire other makers as well. You know, mm. I just want to show the possibilities of bespoke and what you can do as well in, in mm. different elements, incorporating the old school techniques and, mm-hmm. you know, just something technology. I, I like, I just, that it excites me doing all that kind of stuff, do you know? Are you like this in other aspects oh, of your life as well? They do some work outside. Yeah, that's sorry. A, that's okay. That's okay. Are, are you like this in other aspects of your <laughs> life as well? Um, yeah, I'm very, I, I would say, uh, very creative with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> very... So what, when you're, when you're uh, spending time with them, you're always bringing out some uh, puzzle or some creative thing to make. Yeah, or puzzle. Crafts. Um, and my, <laughs> my daughter, she loves making as well. And I, I love, I get my kids into martial arts. Like we're saying Bruce Lee. I, yeah. They know about Bruce Lee. He's been dead for how long now? They know, I'm like, who's the best martial artist? Well, Bruce Lee, daddy. They know about Bruce Lee. I'm always doing like snake style or dragon style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they like, when I come home from work, daddy, well, that snake style, show me snake style. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always mixing about with them, you know. Um, mm. But I'm always doing like craves, craft stuff with them, you know, making mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But um, to be honest, I work so much as well. So I need mm. to spend more time. But the time I do spend, I'm like, happy daddy. That yeah, does all yeah. my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, if not with like my kids, I'm creative. I'm, I would say generally, I'm, I'm pretty easy going. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm, I kind of switch off. When I'm not doing my creative stuff, I just switch off and I, I just mm. like to chill. But mm. um I would say my happy times are definitely, um, if not with my kids, but creating uh, things in my head that I I feel before I can make it that I feel could work. And I try mm-hmm. to give in my mind and think, okay, I think that's a great idea. I think that could work. And then I try mm-hmm. to figure it out. I like challenging myself. I like to mm-hmm. challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Like when it came to doing um, a bespoke blazer in mm-hmm. leather and canvas in it, I was like, yeah, I know that's never really been done before, has it? And I thought, let me try that. And yeah. then I was figured it out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Now what else can I do? That's difficult. <laughs> like, yeah, I had to do yeah. That. But yeah, I like, I like to challenge. I like to showcase bespoke in different forms. And I think that's mm. what motivates me, you know? Definitely. When you're when you're deeply in the zone, right? You're You are at the right place at the right time. You're feeling how you want to feel. And you know that you're lost in time and space. What exactly do you feel? What yeah. is it that you feel exactly? If you had to describe it in by any means, home. I feel at home. 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 Yeah, I feel at home. So I, I you're using like... home as 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 almost like a symbolic way, not literally home, but home as in like yeah. what home. So what 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 does that home mean? So that means like I feel comfortable. I feel like this is where I should be when I'm mm-hmm. in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. um, don't get me wrong. I've worked at home before where mm-hmm. it just felt like oh, it's just work. I work I'm doing so many hours. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. really feel at like home now, but yeah. I feel at like home when I'm creating something that I feel that mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited about the the end goal and how it's going to look. And I feel at that time, 
mm-hmm. this is what it's all about you know mm-hmm. this is this is why I, I, I'm doing this you know and that's that mm-hmm. to me just like feels comfortable though I would say I feel at home you know yes yes you know some people uh get a lot of um comfort when they are praying or when they are uh with a loved one or they are maybe they are making love or th- all things we could we could uh, there is a plenty yeah, I of feel things. that too I feel that too don't get me wrong <laughs> yeah so, so what, I, <laughs> what I want to get at is do you do you feel uh kind of like some form of spiritual satisfaction when you are in the zone um where you feel like I feel you're, you're spiritual I feel like this is where I should be that's mm-hmm. that's what it feels like so for me if to give an example if I wasn't doing anything creative and I haven't done anything creative for a while now mm. if you check out my Instagram I haven't done nothing for a while now mm. and I don't really feel I'm not mm. that happy because I'm not creating I'm only happy when I'm creating don't get me mm-hmm. wrong Mm-hmm. you can't do it all the time because there's other things that you need to do in business as you know do you know what I mean yes. I don't know how you've interviews in all the time and you manage to do your other stuff but it's time management right yes and I always made time to make stuff mm-hmm. you know what I, mean? I always made time to make show pieces like all these patterns here yeah mm-hmm. these aren't customers these mm-hmm. are not customers these some of them are customers I would say I've got mm-hmm. nine of my patterns well I would say about 30% of that these mm-hmm. customers the rest of it collections i've done over the years mm-hmm. you know, pieces that i've done mm-hmm. things that i've been working on to refine to refine to refine to get mm-hmm. to a, a good stage and i'll give you an example i was chatting to my my good friend um shane um mm-hmm. maker, best trouser maker in the world yeah. <laughs> best trouser maker by far anyone that would disagree There are some great trouser makers out there, but he yeah. brings it to another level because in terms of women's wear, he's taken women's wear to a place where no one mm-hmm. would even know where to start with how to cut the pair of trousers that way. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking with him and it's like, what we were understanding that, yeah, it takes a while to get to that stage where you've perfected something. And this is where mm-hmm. it's a thin line between where you feel comfortable teaching people mm-hmm. and showing them the knowledge. Because I understand why some people don't want to share their knowledge because It's a thing that you're trying to protect what you've got. And I've been like that before with some of my bomber jackets. I, you know, it's something that new that I've discovered, I've refined and I've got to a stage where it's like, yeah, this is great now. You don't want to just teach someone straight away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But now I'm comfortable to do it. But when mm-hmm. I just got it to where I went, yeah. I wasn't yeah. comfortable. You know what I mean? You're still protective. Yes. Yeah. But I was talking to Shane, it was like, he we're both at a, 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 a level at the moment where we feel comfortable enough. We don't mm-hmm. mind teaching people what mm-hmm. we know. Because mm-hmm. they won't get to the stage, not say won't get to the stage, right? But everyone has their own uh, interpretation mm-hmm. of what they see, mm-hmm. and to practice that interpretation and what well, to practice your craft and refine it mm-hmm. to get a look and a, uh, uh, a way of doing things that you know no one else has practiced as intensely as you have. Mm-hmm. Even if you do show someone that one thing that you've 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 done, mm-hmm. they will never be able to do it constantly yes because you've trained yourself to know how to do it without a pattern know that run and how to do that line yes you just do it because you've been you've lived it you've lived it do you know what i'm saying yes so of course, yeah that's why i don't 
you know, I, I, I don't have any holdbacks of teaching anyone anything, not just because mm-hmm. I think like, they're not, not going to get what I'm not, not because of that. I just feel like there's only one of you. You're always going to have your own interpretation of what you do mm-hmm. and no one can copy you and what you do. You, my, my own mind, the way it thinks in doing other creative things and creative pieces, I know I have a pattern of how I do that and how I mm-hmm. get doing that. And only I would know that, you know, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. teach, you can't teach that. You can teach someone the basics, but they can they can't follow the pattern of thinking that you've accumulated over a lot of practicing and practicing. Absolutely, and practicing. yes. Because what yours when you, your one sentence is actually five hundred sentences, kind of like compressed into one over the years. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So exactly. Yeah, of course, what, what, when you when you when you are making a simple, I don't know, a f- peak lapel facing, you're actually. <laughs> It's as if you're making all the 7,000 peak lapels that you've done all at once, you know, yeah. kind of, they yeah, all yeah, kind yeah. of like compile. Uh, That's, right. That's right. Very understandable. What I find a- absolutely interesting is you said, I, I am the happiest when I'm creating, when I'm making things, I feel at home. And then you also said, and this is where it gets interesting, I haven't been making for a long time. And if, and whereas you refer to making as more the creative part where you are looking at new things that you haven't done rather than, oh, another gray jacket, another blue jacket. Yeah. Would it, yeah. would it be right to say that you see that the other one, the, the everyday suit, let's say, more as a process rather than a creation, kind of like more as a, uh, how'd you call what what should I say? What would be the right word? You know what I'm getting I know at? Mean, I know you mean. I know you mean. Yeah, I know you mean. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I only see it as more of a creation mm-hmm. if I'm doing it for a customer because mm-hmm. it's a different body type. So you have to still make it fit that body type that no one every, everyone's different, right? So it's still yes. a unique piece. Mm-hmm. Even though it's still a suit, mm-hmm. it's still unique for that person. So I'm still excited about creating mm-hmm. and making it look just as elegant on them as I can, you know, and make it look yeah. unique, for, make them happy. I, I'm excited about that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just, it is the same feeling when I'm creating a piece that is really more creative. Mm-hmm. It's a similar feeling. It's not the same, it's similar, mm-hmm. but I think it's more intense when it's something new. It's something yes. that I, I, I'm looking to challenge myself to ch- achieve that yeah, and yeah, see yeah. I can make it look, wow piece do you know what i mean and yes, I, I want people yes. to look at it and think because most of the time i know people ain't gonna buy that kind of stuff yeah, don't give me right. i'm got no delusions right i know that and and that's probably part of the reason why i'm not flooded with customers because i know the type of jackets that i do is not for everyone yeah and i know that but I'm, I'm at peace with that because i'm happy that i'm creating something that mm. i i love to do yes. mm-hmm. and i know that I'm, i open a conversation i have some mm-hmm. customers that will say yeah, Lee, I like that piece, but have you got a watered down, you know, something that's more of in the in the navy and you know a bit more yeah. watered down? Than that. That's yeah. fine. It's like a conversation, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah. a student that says, "Oh, I love that piece that you did." That's so you know, it's creative. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like that, and I don't. I'm not doing that because I want to get loads of customers. I'm doing it because I just want to just showcase bespoke, you know. And mm-hmm. I haven't done it for a while, like I said, and it is something that I, I need to get back into and and mm-hmm. start to do. I have got like this um, idea that I'm just, I can't wait to start um, experimenting and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
yeah, I've got that buzz back, you know, but it's, yeah, yeah it's something that is, um, gets you in that happy place that you can yeah. constantly keep going back to that you can, mm. you know, you can do. It's important, you know, and even yes. if you're just, in, you know, if you're just making jackets and you, you're not doing anything creative, that's fine. You know, if, if you want to start making stuff for friends and family and, and, mm-hmm. and see how you can create something that can fit them and get a better fit and make them happy and you get a buzz out of that, then whatever, wherever it is, that makes you, you know, gets you in that place where you're like, oh, I like, that's what I like from that, you know, yeah. then you just got to keep doing it, right? Yes, yes. Lee, I have a, a speed round that I would like to do with you. Uh, yeah. And and then I'll ask you where people can find your work and how they can actually uh, get in touch with you. So are you ready for the speed round? Go for it, go for it, go for it. All, all right, okay. So most influential person? Most influential person? Um, apart from my mother. <laughs> and my, apart from my mother, my grandmother. Because um, they influenced me. Um, oh, this is a speed one. Sorry, sorry, speed. <laughs> influential Andrew Ramroop, I would say professionally, Andrew Ramroop. Andrew Ramroop. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, great. Um, if you could make three changes to the industry right now, what would that be? Um, just for people to share as much as they can and, mm-hmm. and not to put other tailors down. This is not me sounding bitter, right? Not to put <laughs> other tailors down that share knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. As all right, if you're not adding anything to the industry, mm-hmm. shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's Absolutely. like fair enough. Yeah. I know tell us that they want to share nothing. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. I ain't, I'm not saying nothing about you. Do your thing. Yeah. But you got something to say about me sharing knowledge? <laughs> yeah. You got a problem with me sharing stuff? Yeah, yeah. Just keep to doing what you're doing. If you're not adding nothing, shut the. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, 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 anyway, yes. Yeah, I'm kind of going too far into the, the yeah, but you know. No, no, I mean. that's okay. Okay, so um, uh, what do you want to see more of around you? Um, well, I'm seeing it more now. Smart casual wear. Um, smart casual wear. I've always wanted to see more smart casual wear. And that's when you say smart casual wear, um, should you mean? Bespoke. bespoke okay so you're not talking about digital clothing smart clothing in that sense um it could be a mix of both i, I, right. I would like to see um tailoring um embrace technology mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. without losing obviously the the fundamentals yeah uh, uh side of bespoke which make bespoke bespoke i'm not talking about doing digital um mm-hmm. you know measuring and all that you know even though i tried to do that with the bomber jackets at one stage you know what i mean online yes. And I, I try, I try everything. I try everything. You know, I'm not yeah, shying away yeah. from it. If it works, it works. But obviously yeah. we do it everywhere. It's about customer care and mm. the process and the service. So you need that. So, mm. but anything that can enhance that, you know, mm. you're bringing your iPad with you and you're doing a design and showing a customer a different, I don't know, whatever. I just, I just think, yeah, just, I would like to see the industry embracing and some um, houses are doing that. Mm-hmm. Some houses mm-hmm. are doing that. Don't get me wrong. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but also you've got the bad side and good side to that, you know, once technology yes. goes that, then you, you know, but also Cad and Danny, I like how, um, what's my man's name again, um, from Cad and Danny, I've forgotten his name now, but yeah, he's, I like how he's, he's doing mm. his brand, you know, mm. and he was mm. a dog beginning and look how he's doing well now, man. So yeah. it's guys yeah. like that, that are mm. thinking about how they can make things more easier, mm-hmm. how they can find it and how 
they can simplify things and how can they, it can you know go over into everything else and mm-hmm. everyone's in unison and everything can run more smoothly and yeah. and the end goal is the customer right and so yes. yeah i love what they're doing you know and yeah there's some other people out there that are doing really really that, that are doing good stuff like yourself man you know you're, you're raising all these questions that there's people out there that want to know you know this well, i want to know that's i it's you know i want to know as well so that's why i'm asking <laughs> them because uh it's it's, 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 it's a that, big world it's a big world yeah 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 exactly yeah exactly yeah. And i don't know as well so you know you've answered a lot of questions for me too when i listen to some of your interviews i'm like oh okay yeah yeah do that. <laughs> all right okay um three qualities of a real master three quarters of a real master yeah okay um one that's uh always willing to learn doesn't know mm-hmm. everything yeah mm-hmm. and um always wants to improve mm-hmm. all the time that comes with a always wanting to learn i suppose yeah and um listens right listen student mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay the worst thing that can happen to savile row the worst thing yes uh, um i think for everything to be i don't know what's the worst thing and the shop's closing down already as well mm-hmm. uh, the rates are going up all the time that those mm-hmm. are the worst things that happened already you know right. uh, the camaraderie's there that's the great thing i, I mm-hmm. don't know the worst thing that you know um just more ready to wear shops Mm-hmm. Uh, go there and it's less bespoke but mm-hmm. I don't have nothing against ready to wear I think you need to have a balance of that too because that draws yeah. in customers as well you know mm-hmm. um, and I, I, even at one stage I wanted to do ready to wear you know and it's, it's a completely different market so I think mm-hmm. you've got to have a balance of everything so for the worst thing to happen worst thing for Savaro, um yeah it's just um, it'll be unfortunate for a lot more shops to close down basically mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah that's that's the worst thing. It'd be worst thing is for them put up more rent, to put the rent up more. Right. That's the, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, well, let's let's do the best thing that could happen to Savile Road as well, just to keep it positive. Yeah, I think the best thing is um, happening now. I think I think we're right. a lot more busy. Most of the tailoring houses are really busy. Yeah. Uh, and they're actually expanding on mm-hmm. their bespoke range, which is great. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're doing more casual pieces as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making some pieces for um companies on on the road you know mm-hmm. doing like leather jackets and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, i just think it's it's great to just whereas before some of the companies wouldn't even offer them any customers anything they'll be like yeah. no we only i do the suits or they wouldn't really have the tailors that could make the other stuff that they wanted so not like mm-hmm. what they would do it's just that there wasn't anyone that would really uh, make that but i think now because of demand of more, you know, casual mm-hmm. people as well. They've found manufacturers that can do these things as well. And mm-hmm. there's tailors myself that can do these pieces. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's great for the expansion of bespoke and Savaro bespoke as well, in particular, because, you know, mm-hmm. people don't just need to come in for suits anymore. They can get a casual jacket um, and, 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 you know, casual jack trousers and safari jackets. Those always been there anyway, but I think it's become more popular now that people want more mm-hmm. casual people. So it just means when they order like a couple of suits, maybe they might order a couple of casual jackets as well. You know, yeah. so it's business. Yeah. You know, so I yeah. think that's the best thing so far that mm-hmm. I've seen 
um, out of this whole pandemic thing that tailors are a lot more busier mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's not the same as it used to be because people are just ordering more, mm-hmm. you know, casual pieces as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just kind of, um, yeah, it just expands the, right. the wardrobe and, you know, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's good to see, man. It's good to see. Okay. I have two more, two more. The most difficult thing in tailoring. Oh, difficult thing in tailoring. Um, uh, in terms of making or the... However you want to interpret that. In particular, um, I don't know. I think new new pieces are always challenging. Like mm-hmm. making something new that no one's made before, that a customer mm-hmm. wants, is mm-hmm. always challenging because the customer doesn't really know um how it should look so to speak they just got mm-hmm. an idea a picture of what they want yeah but transfer that over into bespoke and make it fit them and have certain deals on it that they they know is that they didn't know was an option but mm-hmm. now they know they can have and then they decide mm-hmm. they want all the different details on it and then you've got somehow make it look good and bespoke like fitted for them when it was originally like a, a casual piece and then they changed their mind halfway yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like working on this leather jacket and then customers change his mind what he wants. <laughs> it's like, if I take this out, you're going to see the marks. So I'm going to have to make yeah. the whole thing in. <laughs> so for me, that's the most challenging thing right. in, in tailoring, so to speak. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's quite a few things I'm sure I've, I've forgotten. But yeah, overall, I, I try not to, I try to be open for challenges. I like challenges, but, you know, Nobody wants to work on something that they've got to really think about a lot. And, and, yes. and okay, you know what? I don't know if this is possible, but I want to. I want, I'm that person that wants to really try and do it. Yeah. But it jump at night for me, it does because I'll be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll leave it and go home. Say because you've got to know when to walk away from something sometimes when it's not working right and say, okay, yeah. I'm walk away from this. Come back in the morning and get on it, and then I'll go home sleep, and I won't be able to get no sleep properly because I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. How solve this problem and i come back the next day and then i've done it and i'm like oh yay done it yeah. and like, oh, oh he wants another one oh. yeah <laughs> and then you're yeah. like nah. you, you know you just say yeah i'll do it i'll do it but then the next one's easier right because then you yes of course of course all right okay last but not least lee marsh what about me <laughs> if if you would have if, if if i would ask you lee marsh in a speed round what would you say um, I just like to work hard and keep it going and inspire any of the, you know, people that want to uh, go into making, um, mm-hmm. whether it's creatively or bespoke wise. Um, I just, I'm just trying to um, get people as excited as I get when I'm sewing something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, me professionally, so to speak, that's yes. I'd say that's me. That's what I want to always portray. Mm-hmm. Um, just inspire students mm-hmm. and promote bespoke. That there's so much more that we can do with bespoke. You know, I, I, yeah. I hate limitations that some tailors put on bespoke, and I'm just like, it's there's so much more. There's mm-hmm. so many like designers that take stuff from bespoke and yes. don't have a really good interpretation of it because they don't really know. They know yeah, they don't live it. You know what I mean. They yeah, don't really yeah. know the depth of what's behind it and how to construct it properly. Yeah. But yeah, I think once you understand how, even mm. if it's just a basic jacket mm. and you understand how to do that, 
you can make so many different garments from that. Mm-hmm. It's so adaptable. Some of the techniques that you know, yes, I, I believe yes. this is, is it's a shame that um, you know. Uh, I want to say it's a shame that it's it's not wasted on only suits. I wouldn't say it in that phrase. It's the wrong term, but it's just capable of so much more. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I. And yeah. I, I feel like we do that. There's their interpretation of couture stuff and uh, mm-hmm. men's wig. But again, I just feel like if you've got someone from a really good tailoring background that understands construction better, it mm-hmm. makes the garment look better. You know what I mean? When you yes. do these fancy things in it, you know what I mean? It's all about the yeah. construction. So and that's why it's important for designers to understand construction as well. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, you did inspire me before I moved to London and your video made oh. my friend understand what the hell it was that I was going to do when I moved to London. So, <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Um, oh, no. Lee, where, where can people uh, get in touch if they want to uh, engage with you and, uh, and follow your course and, and uh, learn from you? Oh, thanks, man. So, um, yeah, I mean, get me on Instagram. Um, I'm on uh, Lee Marsh, uh, 1975 show my age there right i didn't think of that one through before i put that up <laughs> and then i've got um lee marsh bespoke that's my main page i've got a website on there so you know it's got all my tailoring um pieces on there and i've got like the bespoke academy on there as well so yeah there there you go thank you very much lee thanks riza for having me you are diamond top man mate you know what i mean and what thank you're you. doing in the trade is you know, you're you're in your own lane as well, man. You're you're trying to promote bespoke to new levels as well, and just have some more kind of input in terms of uh, developing and streamlining um, the way we do things in bespoke. And that's what it takes. Everyone doing their own little take and doing a little thing. And I see stuff that you do, but like, oh yeah, it's great what he's doing. You know what I mean? And we all start to do it. You know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. just elevates bespoke, man. You know. So thank you, thank you. Doing your thing, man. Keep doing your thing, sir. Thank you. And that was Lee. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. If you'd like to see more of Lee or you'd like to get in touch with him, check out the links in the description of this video. And as always, if you have any thoughts, questions or comments, please let us know. And I hope to see you again in the next episode. Until then, bye bye.